0: This is the third episode of Turning Earth. This time we're going to be discussing fracking. Uh, fracking is short for hydraulic fracturing, which is a an unconventional method of oil and gas extraction. Unconventional oil and gas extraction is kind of an umbrella term for a bunch of different methods used to access resources that traditionally would have been difficult to access. So gas that's trapped in shale rock or uh, methane trapped in coal beds. So stuff that you can't just get it by drilling traditionally, um, these methods have become more popular over the last couple of decades due to in- increased energy consumption and uh, and basically because the easier to reach oil and gas has been depleted. And so what's involved in the process of hydraulic fracturing is uh, first a well is drilled, as they normally would, but they then drill horizontally through the shale rock and uh, the fracking fluid is then pumped down into the well at high f- high pressure. Uh, which creates fissures in the rock and the, the fracking fluid contains it's its mostly water but it contains a mixture of chemicals and what are called proppants, and um, proppants are, are basically like sand and si- or silica gel and these are used to literally to prop open the fractures that are created by the the liquid being pumped down at high pressure so the shale rock is fractured and uh, the gas trapped in it then flows back up the pipe uh, where it's then separated from the water and uh, taken away in tankers so the process has faced opposition basically everywhere it's, it's, it's been attempted to be implemented it's a it's a highly industrial process so it, it involves the industrialization of previously arable land because each well pad which is like the, the station where the drilling takes place is between 2 and 12 acres in size and they're generally spaced about 1 every square kilometer the process requires a huge amount of water with each well requiring an average of 400 tanker trucks to carry water to and from the site and according to the U.S. EPA, each uh, f- well frack requires about requires between two and ten million gallons of water. Uh, and to put that in perspective, two million gallons is roughly the daily consumption of sixty five thousand people. So, it it produces an excess amount of methane during the process, which is more effective than CO two as a greenhouse gas, which means it it contributes more severely to the warming of the Earth's atmosphere than CO two does. Uh, it's just that there isn't that much of it at the moment. And there's also evidence from areas that have infracted in the US of long-term human health problems, so respiratory problems, nosebleeds, dizziness, and some neurological problems as well. Um, so it's a short-term industry, uh, with the well production dropping off severely after the first year or two. Uh, production generally continues with each well for 10 to 12 years, um, but at much lower levels than the first year. And it all comes back to water, because as well as the production dropping off, the Once the site's abandoned, things tend to get get just left behind and capped. So as well as the huge consumption involved in the process, there's also the danger that groundwater, which is where drinking water comes from, will be contaminated. Studies in the US have shown that 7% of the concrete well casings fail within the first year, with that number increasing to an average of 40% as time passes, and all wells fail eventually, uh, which runs the risk risk of uh, water, soil and air contamination due to methane leaking. So how is this relevant to Ireland? Well there there are currently several areas uh where there are licenses or licensing options for hydraulic fracturing on the island of Ireland. Uh two of them are in the south. So there's the Loch Allen Basin covering which co- comprises of Leitrim, Sligo and Cavan, and uh County Clare as well. Um there's currently a moratorium in the Republic though, so those uh licensing options aren't active at the moment. Uh we'll talk a bit more about that after the next interview. But uh, in the north things are a lot more pressing. Uh, there's as as part of the Loch Island Basin as well, um uh, covers part of C- County Fermanagh, where Tamborn up until recently held a licence but they uh, they lost it due to uh, incorrect planning late last year. There are two companies currently pursuing it in County Antrim, in the Lo- the Larne Basin and the Ratlin Basin. And that's uh, Infrastrata and Ratlin Energy respectively. And uh Ashlyn Cowan is going to talk to us in more depth about that now.
1: My name is Ashling Caien, and I work. I suppose I work a lot with Friends of the Earth up here, and also we have another group that we call um, No Frack in Northern Ireland.
0: Okay, so in relation to the the Larn Basin, where I know uh, Infrastrata has the licence there, they've they've stated very recently that they um, they intend to go ahead and drill there quite soon. Uh, Can you maybe outline the concerns relating to that site specifically, the Woodburn Forest?
2: So Woodburn forest
1: is a, is located about sort of less than a ten minute drive from where my house is, and I mean the for concerns, where do you begin like the this land is actually publicly owned, which is very interesting in itself because in on the re, in the rest of the u k so England Wales Scotland, if you want to drill um you have to get a special license it's called a pedal license so There, there is proper plan. They have to go through full planning permission basically to be able to drill a borehole. But although that is the recommended way in Northern Ireland, because we're so behind in regulation, companies are able to use what's called permitted development licence. So what it means is it's a very, very cut down version of um, of planning permission. You don't need to go through the full channels. So our concerns with it would be specifically that that you have a you know a supposed public organisation that has just given permission with, with no public consent, no form of anybody being able to object to it or put in proper um, a proper consultation on it. Um, secondly, it is about less than 400 metres from a very important reservoir that, that supplies a lot of streets in Belfast, surrounding areas, Carrickfergus, Whitehead, Isle of McGee, around that area. Um, it also is on land that is previously salt mined. So there's huge salt mines that go for miles and miles and miles underneath Carrickfergus. And it is another concern of ours that the ground is already very unstable and very porous. And um, We also would be concerned for, I mean, groundwater pollution and um, seepage from the wastewater that comes up and for the water table itself, so beneath the ground. We have There's a lot of farmers in this area um, of East Antrim and there's a lot of people who have wells for their homes and for animal usage and we would be very concerned about leakage underneath um, the ground as well, getting into the water supply.
0: Okay, and You, you mentioned the uh, Island McGee there. I know infrastructure are involved in another project there, an underground gas storage project. Can you t- uh, talk about that at all?
1: Yeah, so down at Island McGee, which is a really, it's a beautiful sort of, Little peninsula that is just out on the coast. They're near, just up from Whitehead, and different companies have came and gone and looked at this. And what they want to do basically is to create a gas storage project. So it would be in again this the type of rock that's underneath this whole area has, has huge caverns in it. So what they want to do there is to drill down and to empty a salt cavern of its salt. And then seal it around um, using a special technique that they have. And then they can store gas in that. So basically you store maybe a couple of weeks' supply for Northern Ireland of gas. And that means then that whenever they can buy when the prices are low, for example, and then sell it on and make more of a profit. And I know that the EU had sort of, they'd said that that was something of um, strategic you know, economic importance. So they had, I think they have offered money that they will back whatever they can get from a private fund. So again, um, Infrastrata had worked with BP before. BP had pulled out on it, and I know now that um, they drilled there recently. There's been a there's been a rig at the site these past few weeks, and they have drilled to take a core sample of what's beneath the ground. As far as, as we understand, I think that what Infostrata's plan was that they got they got funding from the EU to bring the rig there. And I think that their plan is that they could bring the rig on, maybe to the site that would burn then, so not, it's only a few miles away, and to use the same rig to drill again in September, um, which is what, what they have talked about doing, but whether or not that happens, we just don't know yet.
0: Okay, and um, just moving on to the, the Rattling Basin, another part of, of Antrim, um, where Rattling Energy hold the licence. Um, yeah. Ha- has there been an exploratory well drilled there yet?
1: Not yet. Um, And the difference between there and Woodburn is that that company have put in for full planning permission instead of using this um, permitted development licence. So they have to put in for full planning permission, which means that people have had the opportunity to object. So one of the things that we did was um, we did a crowdfunder online and we raised about 10000 I think it was just over £10,000 that were raised to pay environmental consultants to look properly at the... um, the the plan of permission, so as we could find holes in it. So objections have been put in, everything's been installed, and we're just going to see what happens there as well. Um, that company as well, when they started off, it was just a core sample, and then it was oh, just a core sample with some stimulated flow fractures, which is basically um, putting water down and to, to test the pressure and to see how the rock is to break up. So it's interesting how you know the company, their Rattling Energy, started off saying it wasn't fracking, it was nothing to do with that. It was you know they were looking for something completely different, nothing to do with that. But yet once they once they had a foot in the door, as we see it, then suddenly the, the, their terms changed and they started changing the language that they were using about what they wanted to do there.
0: Okay, and in a in a public statement a few months ago, the the company said that they uh, during the test drill there would be no environmental impact. And we know that exploration companies have a pretty different idea of what that means that the than the rest of us have. But is this in any way reassuring, or does it mean anything really?
1: What What is their vested interest in this? You know, I mean, it is certainly within their interest to assure people that there's going to be absolutely no environmental damage, and it is absolutely impossible for them to say that because I we we have heard promises like this again and again. But the trouble is, is who's measuring those type of things? Or we have up here in the north, I mean, it's equally bad, I know, in the south, but up here we have just complete, completely shoddy regulation of anything to do with the environment. And there are no experts in oil and gas drilling, um, within say Department of Environment up here and regulation in itself is absolutely no silver bullet and we certainly do not have the experts or the legislation to be able to deal with this up in the north. So I don't; it doesn't offer me a lot of comfort.
0: And um, the same company, uh, Rattling Energy, uh, recently faced successful resistance to a site in Yorkshire. Um, yeah. Do you think this will have any impact on their activity in Antrim?
1: Yes. And I think that this is always why... Um, even if things seem hopeless or that there's no point in you know having community resistance or something, there is always a point and there is always greater cost for the company. Um investors think twice about putting their money into something whenever they have, for example, invested a lot of money into uh Yorkshire and now they're gonna lose all that. Um so I think that yeah, that things like this are, are like really big gains.
0: And uh, just finally then the, the UK government has recently taking measures to fast-track planning applications for shale gas development. So if if a local council is taking too long to make a decision, they can basically take that decision from their hands. Uh, Can you talk about this at all and tell us what it means for Northern Ireland?
1: I think Northern Ireland will be a different case from that. Increasingly, day by day, the fact that the Conservative governments are actually seriously going after fracking as a means to energy security is just crazy and I think that more and more and more people are really understanding how this is just never going to work it is never going to be a long-term solution mm-hmm. nor even really a short-term solution to energy real energy issues that the UK has I think that um although that is the word that's coming from the top I think that across the country they're going to face increasing resistance from local councils and from local people that really really do not want this in their backyard so Although they have opened, I mean they've opened up what like a third of the of the country at the minute, I think, and they have, um, you know, made statements like that that they're fast tracking it, that they're going out all out for shale gas. On the other hand, companies like Shell and other drilling companies are going, well, hold on, like we we didn't say it was going to be what 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 you're saying it's going okay. to be, and um, there, there are so many vested interests within the UK government. There's another, there's a big company called Quadrilla, that you know, there's a, a couple of different lords that have interest in that. And David Cameron, for example, made big statement on, you know, they were going all out for shale gas. This was the future of energy within the UK. And within, um, you know, in a couple of days, then their share price shoots up. A lot of people make a lot of money in shares very, very quickly. And then the bubble bursts and it goes down again. So I think that there's more going on to this. I think that shale gas in in a country's size and as densely populated as the UK is, it's just uh, a policy that is becoming ridiculous. <clears throat> even within Ireland, I mean, I've I've heard experts say in Ireland, even if you say, for example, that you drilled 20,000 wells in Ireland, which would basically make it look like a pin cushion from top to bottom, even if you did, if you drilled 20,000 wells and you got the highest estimated value of gas that you could get out of each of those wells, what you would get is about five years supply if even and after five years then the country is in an absolute mess and you have a huge legacy of environmental damage to deal with
3: Okay so that is the end of Ashling's interview and before we go on to our next interview I'd just like to kind of reiterate or focus what Ashling was talking about in regards to the justifications given for fracking so obviously she was talking a lot about um, or she mentioned the interest in speculation so companies come in they announce that there is potentially like a wealth of gas reserves in an area and then their share prices go up and then they make a profit off of that you know and so this is something that we were talking about in a previous episode in regards to gold mining as well where like a huge focus within the extractive industry is the speculative profit that can be made out of it and there's a bit of a history like a recent history of overestimation of shale gas reserves in regards to the international fracking industry two prime examples would be in poland where poland was like highlighted as you know the leader of the potential shale gas industry in europe and so the estimates that were given for a lot of the reserves in poland were actually it's been real have been exaggerated and it's much less than what was originally um, announced, and the same thing has happened in America in the Monterey Shale Reserve in California, and that was being heralded as America's, like their big big hope in terms of shale gas. But there was like huge overestimation in regards to that as well. Um, outside of that, another kind of justification that I hear quite a lot is energy security. So the domestic market or a nation will gain energy security because of investing in domestic gas industry now whatever about america but in the eu that's a completely different thing because of the common eu market where individual nations are required to contribute to an energy market and then the last thing to talk about as well is just the jobs prospects and Ashling mentioned this and it's quite true and tommy said it as well in terms of like the short lifespan of the wells so jobs are promised to to a community with the kind of inherent suggestion that this will be like a long-term benefit for that community but because of the fact that fracking itself is inherently short-term it isn't a long-term benefit and what it does is it just produces false hopes basically within a community so that's just one more that's one more aspect of the logic provided by fracking industry that people should be dubious about so now we're going to move on to our next interview and our next interview is with Aidan McLaughlin Aidan McLaughlin is a member of the Good Energies Alliance Ireland who operate within the Republic and um, as Tommy said earlier on there's a moratorium on fracking or on exploration drilling and test drilling in Ireland at the moment because it was announced that the EPA would commission uh, a study into the viability of UGE, unconventional gas extraction, in Ireland. But Aideen will talk about that in more detail when she's discussing the situation in the Republic at the moment. So here you go.
2: My name is Aideen McLaughlin. I'm a director of Good Energies Alliance Ireland, which is an NGO um, situated in the northwest of Ireland, and we were founded as a result of the campaign against fracking, but we're now very much focused on the alternative sources of energy, renewables and um, and getting communities to actually take control of their own energy futures.
3: And so before we actually talk about um, the Good Energies Alliance, I'm going to ask you if you could just maybe give a bit of an update on what the situation is right now in Leitrim in regards to fracking specifically.
2: Right, okay. Now, first of all, um, throughout Ireland, the issue of fracking has kind of been put on hold while there is a study being done that is due for completion at the end of next year. It's administered by the EPA, and the chief contractor is CDM Smith. Now, we did some research on CDM Smith to find out that, in fact, they are advocates of fracking and actually lead spearhead the um the efforts to introduce fracking to poland and ukraine so we have publicized this and really this uh, fact is discrediting the whole research um, study that is being done and now the epa are talking about putting out it out for peer review which will delay matters even further so we're not, we're not expecting any decisions or even really much discussion about the study until well into 2017. I think that's actually suiting the government quite well because they don't want to be dealing with this very co- contentious issue just at the moment at all. Yeah. You can see in the, in the UK that it is causing a furore among, among communities and so far there has not been any successful fracking done at all.
3: And so, in regards to, um, the actual research, like, at the UGE research, because CDM Smith were given the main tender for it, and then, like, almost immediately discredited, like you said, but, um, Tommy pointed out to me today that there was recently, like, an Oireachtas questioning session, was it the, the EPA?
0: The uh, joint committee, there was the, the EPA, were in, um, being questioned by the deputies, and it was put to them repeatedly that CDM Smith were an unsuitable company to be doing it, and, uh but the, the guy, I think it was Daryl Linnett from the EPA, just kept repeating that they were satisfied that their selection process was robust.
2: Okay, can I comment on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. The EPA, it's quite interesting what's happened. The EPA have commissioned car communications to take control over everything that they say publicly. And this is now one of the spins that they are, that they're actually coming out with, that basically their procedures were correct, which is probably true, And um, and that they are only administering uh, the the research study that basically almost they are saying it is not their research study at all. They've repeated that to us on numerous occasions, Um, but they can't wipe their hands off it because after all, they are the people that actually are in control of of the money end of things. So. um, Really, they, they have a lot to answer for, but at the moment, they are not answering any questions at all in any kind of satisfactory manner. We have asked for um, we have asked for a publication of interim reports which are being produced, and they admitted that they are being produced. But we are told that um, there is no public access to those at all. Only the steering committee can see those. Then we asked for details of who the steering committee were um, and we were told they are representatives of organisations but that the um, names of the people was not public knowledge. And even when we looked for that, uh, for details under freedom of information, we were told no, this wasn't environmental um, information so they didn't have to give it
3: so basically what's happening is like an immediately discredited study is going ahead for two years or three years potentially and then the results of which will definitely be called into question just because of the fact that the people who are spearheading it are compromised so um yes
2: of course that's that's one thing now something else happened recently um i don't know whether you're interested in it the um the recent uh, kind of survey that was supposed to be done by the Institute for Advanced Studies, um, are you familiar yeah, with that? Yeah. yeah, we were
3: talking about that this morning, and if you want to talk about that, that'd be great as well, please.
2: Okay, I'll just, I'll just mention it briefly, that um, the Institute for Advanced Studies commissioned um, commissioned a survey of the areas that were targeted for fracking, and um, people in Fermanagh um, actually um, recognize the fact that any kind of survey of rock um, that the results of such surveys can be used by by fracking companies if they want to uh, make applications for exploration or anything like that so there was a big there was a big protest about this but this was done without any public knowledge and in fact the department of energy and the epa both said that they knew nothing about it which was quite extraordinary Anyway, there was such a fuss made about it that, in fact, they have withdrawn the study.
3: It's obviously great that, like, um, the people in Leitrim were able to campaign against that study being done and then put a stop to it. Because obviously that means that people are mm-hmm. constantly attentive and like keeping themselves aware. And I just wanted to ask yeah. really quickly about them, um, because recently that group Frack Action came over from New York back in like April to talk about how they had successfully managed to get a ban on fracking put in place in New York itself. And the main reason that that happened was due to a health review being put in. And so I'm just wondering... That's right. I'm just wondering if, like, do you know if the EPA study, if that includes in any way a review of the effects on human health, there hasn't been a specific study done into the effects of fracking on human health in Ireland. I was wondering if, like, anybody is campaigning behind that or if there's any point in campaigning behind that at all.
2: Well... To be honest, it's amazing that you're that you're talking to me about this because it was only a couple of days ago, I was talking to the New York campaigners, and they are coming over in in the autumn. So you're talking about September, October, to actually spearhead the same kind of campaign that they carried out in New York. Okay. Um, the campaign in New York was very specifically a survey of the of the public health issues. That is not part of the EPA study, and it won't be. They're looking at a much more narrow um, a narrow view of things, because the whole study is basically looking at whether regulation can make fracking safe. We want to see a total survey of the health impacts of fracking, as experienced by communities who at the moment have, are putting up with appalling, really human rights abuse um, through through the, the destruction of their air and their water and their health.
3: Can I just ask you about um, because and like the relationship between fracking and renewable fuels or yeah renewable energy because uh, like a, a kind of a point that you often hear made in support of fracking and in support of natural gas for energy is that it's like a bridge fuel. And so it's, it's kind of an easy way to move into renewable energies. And could you just talk about that actual logic itself?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, um, fracking, fracking is, is, produces natural gas, which is often used as a substitute for coal because coal produces an awful lot more carbon, obviously, than gas does. But in Ireland... That is not an argument at all, because in fact, very only a small percentage of our of our energy is actually produced by coal. Money Point um, is the only coal burning burning um, station we have, so it's not actually important for Ireland to substitute coal by gas. That would not be a rationale for introducing fracking at all. Financial basis for fracking is no longer as strong as it used to be because with the low price for gas that fracking uh, that fracking brings, the actual economic basis disappears because it costs more to produce the gas than the developers are actually making.
3: Okay, so that is the end of the interview with In there. Um, we tried to actually contact or we did contact the EPA and CDM Smith in order to try and get a comment off them but uh, they declined to comment Um, so we well actually what they said was that they didn't want to discuss the research until after the research had been completed and the information was released Um, and when we tried to contact CDM Smith to talk to them they said that we had to go through the EPA in order to be able to in order to get the go-ahead to speak to them. So, yeah, we're basically even a run-around. But um, we actually spoke... Well, Tommy actually spoke to Terence Conway. Terence Conway was, like, is a local of... He lives in Eris. He's a resident of Eris County Mayo. Terence Conway is a resident of Eris County Mayo and was, like, heavily involved in Sea for all of the years that it was going on, that the Rossport solidarity camp was there. But um, Tommy was talking to him about Rossport and the Carb Gas Project and how it relates to, like, the Irish gas industry and in it Terence talks about the EPA and what he considers or his considerations on in regards to fracking so we're just going to play some of that interview now as well
0: Since you're you're talking about regulators I might as well ask me my next question which is uh, in relation to the EPA there's been controversy recently over the involvement of CDM Smith in the EPA research project uh, many people are saying that this calls into question the objectivity of the study because CDM Smith have been advocates of fracking in other countries and it maybe delegitimizes the EPA's position and um, can you talk a little about what your community's experience of the EPA has been?
4: Uh, well, uh, people have, re- have good reason to be concerned because if you look at history of Corub, and uh, the, in Corub there has been a project monitoring committee in place uh, since, I don't know, 2005 or before that. Uh, and at no stage during that process, have done anything apart from promote the project. They've turned a blind eye to shells contamination of the local drink and water supply. Uh, They have, uh, and to dumping in Broadhaven Bay, all the regulatory bodies, including the EPA, have turned a blind eye to it. And the the EPA, in actual fact, is part of the Project Monitoring Committee on Corrup.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to ask.
4: Yeah. And uh, the EPA, Mayo County Council, the Department of Communications, Energy and Natural Resources—they consistently ignore any breaches uh, of environmental legislation uh, on Corrib. So I would expect them to do the same thing with fracking. And the simple fact that they got that company, uh, who worked closely with the fracking industry to do the review shows that the the final decision will be to go ahead with fracking, that it will be safe provided. And I expect them to use words somewhat like robust monitoring. But the fact is, unless you have strict enforcement, monitoring is totally irrelevant. Mm. Uh, it's enforcement that matters. Uh, Because here, the community, we've reported numerous breaches by Shell on the CARA project, and uh, they have consistently turned a blind eye to it. In fact, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, I put submissions in to the EPA, Department of Communications, Industry, and National Resources, Mayo County Council, Parks and Wildlife, about uh, shells, large vessels, dumping material in the bay. And uh, they've taken no action on it.
0: Okay. Uh,
4: And I have have requested uh, from each of the departments to see what consents they had. None of them have uh, shown me any evidence of any consents for the dumping that went on in the bay. Uh, Yeah. So the people have real reason to be concerned on the fracking issue.
0: Okay, so that's it from uh, Terence and um we'll probably play the re- the remainder of that interview in a, in a future episode. Um so th- this is the last in this series. Um but we will continue with it and we shall get going again in about a month or so. Um if you've any suggestions for topics that we could cover in future, you can email us at turningearth@near.ie or also if you've any questions or uh, if you want to challenge anything that's been said please get in touch uh, and just to finish up we'll leave, we leave you with some uh, resources um, a good blog to be kind of kept updated on the the island of ireland situation is the gas man comet so that's the gas man c-o-m-e-t-h dot wordpress dot com there's also shale gas bulletin ireland if you google that it should bring you to the, the google group and you can subscribe to that it's a newsletter and um, then the good Energy alliance website is just good energies dot com they have a uh, a number of good breakdowns on the different license areas in Ireland. Um, there's also a good documentary on YouTube. It's an hour long. It's called The Truth Behind the Dash for Gas, and that looks at the situation in the UK, looking at the connections between, as uh, Ashling mentioned, the, the connections between Lord Brown and uh, Quadrilla. And then finally, the document that Ashling mentioned is uh, Friends of the Earth Northern Ireland, No Fracking Way. You can get that online as well. Okay, goodbye.
3: All right, thanks.